there's a big difference between religion and just being religious and actually being a saved, born-again person walking with Christ. There's a big difference. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. We'll get to our interview in just a minute, but I'm excited to first tell you about the Work of Mercy, Inc. in Colombia. They have a project there called Soy Satura, which is helping feed kids who are crossing the border from Venezuela to go to school. You see, the schools in Venezuela are not very good, so moms are taking their kids to school in Colombia where they can get a decent education. Now, the Colombia government is willing to provide an education to these kids, but they won't feed them like they do the Colombian children. And most of these kids from Venezuela are from really poor families that don't even have money to feed their kids. So Mercy Inc. is taking soybeans to create both food and juice that they are able to feed these kids, sometimes the only meal they will get in a day. I sure would like to share more about the Soy Satura project and how you can get involved. Would you head over to the website christianmusicarchive.com mercy so you can learn how you can help feed these kids? Our intent is to make a difference around the world through this podcast. And one of the ways we do that is through the work of Mercy, Inc. So again, head over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy and discover how you can make a difference to the children of Venezuela. My guest today was a member of some band. And no, I'm not trying to be secretive or protect the identity of my guest. But if you are a fan of early 80s Christian pop, you'll recognize the background music you're hearing as Steve Taylor, and that sax you hear is Dave Thrush. Today, we get to hear about Dave Thrush's career as part of Steve Taylor and some band, but we'll also hear about his religion being changed into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Dave is going to share that his decision to follow Christ didn't necessarily make everything go smoothly. In fact, He experienced just the opposite, but his relationship with Jesus definitely helped him through some tough times. So let's let Dave tell his story and jump into the conversation I had with Dave Thrush. I am very excited to talk to somebody that I have listened to his music for a lot of years vicariously through his high school friend, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Dave Thrush. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Hey. We are the Daves we know. That's right. <laughs> we got to be careful. We might start a band or something. <laughs> uh oh, dangerous. I first discovered you on the credits of an album from Steve Taylor. That is correct. That was my intro into Christian music. So, how did you meet Steve and how did you get started playing with Steve? Well, we were in high school, jazz band together, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, 1975, 76, North Glen High School, North Glen, Colorado, suburb of Denver. And we were in the same class. So 
And uh, I got to know Steve and he got to know me. And I was the Catholic kid, you know, raised in the Catholic church. He was the Baptist preacher's kid. And we just, you know, started getting coffee and stuff and hanging out. And we were in jazz band. So we saw each other every day. And that's where I first met him. So did he come up to you and say, hey, I'm starting this band. I need a sax player. Would you help me out? Or how did that connection happen? Uh, well, that was years, a few years later. He had already finished college pretty much. I had, uh, I went to CSU, Colorado State, mm -hmm. for a year and then dropped out because I hated college. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to, I just wanted to play, man, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually working a job for a couple of years uh, after one year at CSU uh, as a printer. Mm. And it's interesting because I have something in common with Bill Murray, believe it or not. I was a printer at Regis College, Regis University, which is a Catholic mm -hmm. uh, school in Denver. And Bill Murray went there for a while. Oh, no kidding. I don't think I ever met him, but uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, I was a print, uh, I worked in the print shop there and then I wasn't even playing them. You know, I'd quit playing and stuff, you know, after college got kind of, you know, just discouraged and stuff. And spiritually I was in a really strange place. So back in those days, kind of wandering, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was raised Catholic and all that stuff, but then, uh, you know, baptized as an infant, the whole deal. Right. My mom has the picture of me being baptized uh -huh. and all that. And then I, my teen years, I started kind of going out there, you know, partying and as teens will do. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wandered off and started going off into some weird, you know, stuff and a little bit of Eastern religion and this and that. And I'm like, you know, I was, I just quit college. And so I was just kind of wandering, you know, spiritually. And, uh, then, uh, I was, what was it about 1981? I think it was. And Steve contacted me out of the blue. He'd already hmm. finished college, I think, at Biola and CU. And then I, I was just working jobs, playing a gig here and there once in a while. And he contacted me and said, I, 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 I want you to play on this demo, Dave. You know? <laughs> you know how Steve talks? Yeah, exactly. Steve had more energy than anybody else. Oh, know. man. Yeah. Anyway, he still does. But, uh, yeah, so I played on his demo, which was the clone demo. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, he brought me in and he formed a band with Cactus Mosier and Woody Waddell, the original members, uh, Carrie Connor, the guitar player, and the producer of that record was Jonathan David Brown. Yeah. Who was long time in Christian music, um, you know, and I didn't even know what Christian music was. I mean, right. I was raised Catholic, you know, like, what is contemporary Christian music? What is that? I mean, I was used to guitar mouse, you know, Kumbaya, my Lord, right. you know. That kind of stuff. And they didn't use saxophones in Catholic church. So I was like, wow, this is different. <laughs> so did you have any clue uh, when you started working with Steve on those early demos that there was something in this? Or did you think, ah, this is just Steve being Steve and who knows what's going on? No, I, 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 I kind of recognized it right away. It's like, wow, you know, I think this could go somewhere. I recognized it right away. Yeah. So I stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and because he then, as I recall the story, he shopped that demo to a number of labels, and uh, most of those labels right. said, yeah, right. this isn't quite what we want yeah. to hear. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, that whole story. But uh, yeah, so what happened was uh, he, he got a gig at the Christian Artists Seminar in Estes Park, mm -hmm. and uh, after we finished the demo, and uh, that was our first gig, 
to be honest. Yeah. And uh, he got signed right off the side of the stage. He, we did our gig, blew him away. Yeah. And I think uh, Billy Ray Hearn and Bill Hearn and those, you know, they were there and they signed him, I think, almost immediately. Wow. And that's how it happened. So, yeah, then we just made the record in uh, John Sundberg's basement in uh, Lakewood, Colorado. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was just a basement recording studio at that time. <laughs> and uh, and he called it John Sundberg's basement. Yeah. And and now it's uh, it's called uh, FTM Studios. He's got a full blown like big media production, you know, two room large facility. It's called FTM Faith Tape Ministries. Oh, very cool. Uh, back in those days, uh, yeah, Jonathan David Brown was a producer, and he stuck me in the the shower stall for the clone <laughs> recording. <laughs> natural reverb. Yeah, natural <laughs> reverb. Yeah, it was kind of like this. You know, natural reverb like that. <laughs> right, right. Well, so Steve started touring that. You went along with him, and you toured with him ultimately right. for five or so years, right? Uh, it was more than that. It was almost uh, seven. Wow. Uh, almost seven years. I was an original member of that band, like I said, with Cactus, who's now married to Winona Judd, believe it or not. Isn't that wild? Crazy, huh? And I've met her. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This whole thing has been a crazy ride the last 40 years. So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we went on the road, and I think we played like a Calvary Chapel in uh, California, one of our first gigs, Costa Mesa, you know, Chuck Smith. I think that might have been one of our first gigs, actually. Wow. In that church, and we were jumping up and down on the stage, and I'm not sure they quite understood what we were about. But uh, so that was interesting. And then we just went and started touring, man. What's interesting is I ended up playing at a Calvary Chapel years later in the worship band. Oh wow! So, yeah, yeah, like many years later. Full circle, full circle, full circle. Yeah. Well, right. well, you went on with Steve, and you toured the world. But when mm -hmm. you finished up with Steve Taylor, you ended up moving mm -hmm. to L.A., right? I did, and then Steve uh, just disbanded some band. Mm -hmm. We did that one last record, which was, uh, what was it? Yeah, I think it was the I Predict record. He finished that, and then I, he decided to move to Nashville, and so he disbanded the some band thing and wanted to go out to Nashville, and I stayed in L.A. Mm. and just started doing uh, different stuff, you know, the L.A. thing. I did some jazz stuff with a guy named Rob Mullins, who's a great keyboard guy. Um, and played some jazz festivals and that sort of thing with him out. And we did a radio show open for Tom Scott once. Um, so I was just doing the, like the kind of the musician thing in LA, you know, after that. So were you doing mostly hired gun stuff or studio stuff? Uh, for a while I was, uh, I wasn't doing a lot of studio stuff, just very little of that. It's hard to get into that mm. scene in, uh, you know, in, in LA. Cause it's like, you know, you got to die to, <laughs> get into a spot there. <laughs> yeah. And so uh I just I was doing the jazz scene, jazz clubs and that sort of thing with some different artists and then uh it was kind of interesting because then then you know my future wife and I I ended up moving down to um Orange County, okay, California. And and then I started doing playing in churches there. Hmm. I'm like and this this uh, one worship leader named Rick Founds introduced me he said hey you want a church gig i'm like what's that what's a church gig yeah. 
And uh, I'd played in churches with Steve, but I didn't know they actually they like had gigs in churches. Mm, That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Rick Fowns, who wrote the song, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Mm-hmm. Okay, that Rick. He's yeah. the songwriter of that. He asked me, hey, you want a church gig at, at my church? And I'm like, yeah, cool. It was a Calvary Chapel there, and uh, Chuck Smith Jr. was the preacher. Okay. And probably the only Calvary Chapel that ever used a saxophone. I think, <laughs> I, I think Chuck was a, uh, you know, he, he did things differently than his dad. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to have a rock band. You know? Oh, fun. But yeah, so I played there for six years and then I moved to Orange County and then I got married. My wife and I got married and we lived in Laguna for a while. And that's where my son, uh, my first son was born. So, and he's quite a story, my son. You know, he was a, a two pounder preemie, mm. and two pounds, two ounces, and uh, two months early. And that's quite a story because, um, I mean, uh, they even su- suggested abortion at one point. I'm like, what? What are you talking mm, about? Yeah. I'm not going to abort my own child. Right. Because they said he's going to be deformed. I'm like, eh, no, that ain't happening. I'm pro life. Yeah. Strong pro life. Uh, and so he was born early and he looked, he was about the size of a loaf of bread. Wow. You know, I have pictures of that. Wow. And now he's 28, married, and he's got a four year degree from CCU, Colorado Christian wow. University. Wow. So, yeah. So, how, when, when your son was born so preemie, um, you had your faith to fall back on, but, but I'm sure right. that was a difficult time. I mean, that's got to have been, oh, yeah. Lord, what's going on? Oh, yeah, definitely. We didn't know what was going on, you know. It was uh, my wife had a lot of complications, mm-hmm. something called toxemia. Mm. So they had to take the baby uh, early by C-section, and uh, yeah, and that's how it happened. And uh, the one of the doctors, the geneticist, said your son's going to be deformed, and that wasn't true because he's <laughs> not deformed. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. So did you have to just kind of struggle through that? by yourself or did you have people that were surrounding you during that time or oh no no i was i had church people and we had people at the calvary chapel i was playing at praying for us the whole time yeah plus extraneous uh friends that my my wife had had back uh back in those days from southern california there we had a lot of christian musicians that uh in the kind of maranatha music mm-hmm. scene at that time yeah uh bill batstone and, oh, sure. and uh daryl cook and a lot of people dead hit and, and, uh, my wife was involved in a prayer group and I was friends with all those guys and stuff and they were all praying for us all the time. And plus Steve Taylor and the, the Taylors and yeah. people in Nashville too. We had a ton of backup. Yeah. One of my, one of my reasons for starting this podcast was to talk about the importance of community and, you know, going through a situation like that where you're not sure what's going to happen. And yeah, I mean, it's totally out of your control. There's nothing you can do to help your son not at all it was yeah totally out of our control <laughs> nothing and the doctors were suggesting abortion which i thought was wow that's that's just out there man but you know i've heard that story before so well can you tell us how how maybe a specific individual or i mean you talked about people praying for you but how did that manifest itself you know in the the real rubber meets the road kind of thing i mean i consider my son a miracle really I mean, he could have died. They, the doctor said he's got a 50-50 chance mm. of being born, and he's got a 50-50 chance of coming out of this hospital. Wow. And uh, he spent three months in the ICU, 
you know, yeah. and all that. And back in those days, it, it uh, you know, it wasn't as refined mm. with the preemies. These days, they can save kids that are like a pound, you know. Yeah, but but back in those days, a two pounder was very small, and uh, and so we spent just three months. I was playing gigs uh, in Orange County, and 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 also playing at the Calvary Chapel in uh, San Juan Capistrano, mm -hmm. you know, every week. So that was a you know a, a church position, paid position, and plus I was doing uh, club gigs too, just to make a living, and recordings and this and that. And, uh, so yeah, we, uh, just spent three months going back and forth to the hospital every single day or twice a day, even, you know, and then I would, I would sometimes finish at church and then I would drive straight to the hospital and go see how, how my son was doing. And he got bigger. So they always, they always get bigger. <laughs> I can't imagine what that would have done to you just emotionally and spiritually and how draining that must have been. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was very draining. Yeah. Took a lot out of us. And it's, yeah, more out of my wife, for sure, because she was the one that was sick with yeah. this toxemia stuff. So, And I'm assuming she's she's healthy now and that that's, that's part of the answer to prayer? Oh, yeah, she's, she's good. No problems. Well, you mentioned it a little bit earlier as we were talking about uh, working with Steve that you really weren't a Christian, obviously raised Catholic, and you right. knew some of that mm -hmm. kind of high church stuff. What was your right. what was your journey to faith like where you realized, hey, a relationship right. with Jesus is important to me personally? Well, like I said, I was raised a Catholic and uh, playing with Steve, uh, you know, was quite a an eye opener for me. Uh, you know, those guys were evangelicals and I was the one uh, oddball Catholic, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I began to recognize at one point that, wait a minute, these guys know a lot of Bible that I don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed the difference, uh, particularly a couple of guys, so Glenn Holman, the bass player. Mm -hmm. Some of them guys knew Bible like a hundred times better than I did. And I was noticing that hmm. like, wait a minute, these guys really know their Bible. So what were they just talking about it in conversation or how did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, just on the road. I mean, you're driving in a Dodge van for 10 hours a day, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, with your, your pillow is a, is a, you know, an alternator, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff or somebody's guitar case, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, all these conversations or you go, you go, you're in the restaurant, you know, on the road. And I mean, because, you know, touring with Steve, this went on for a long time and the first two years was a van and, you know, and in, in the hotel rooms, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a lot of conversations over a long period of time. And I was like, wait a minute, these guys know their Bible a lot better than I mm -hmm. do, you know? <laughs> and, uh, well, Steve would quote scriptures on stage, you know? And so anyway, something just kind of hit me. And, uh, and then in 1986, uh, I really just, uh, I, I made a step of faith. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this too, because I think you can be raised in a religion and not be saved. Yes. I don't know if, you know, maybe I'm talking to somebody out there. I don't know. But I was raised in a religion, but I wasn't born again. Uh, I was baptized as an infant, the whole deal. Uh, but then uh, I, I asked the Lord into my heart. I said, uh, Jesus, I believe in you one night when we'd gotten done with a tour. Mm -hmm. 1986, came home. I think we'd gotten home from Australia hmm. or something. And I just committed my life to Christ. And I had never done that before, mm. you know. 
uh, I was just, I would always just say, I'm a Catholic, you know, yeah. I'm religious, you know, just wrote religion. But, uh, and then that's when uh, the crazy stuff started, the spiritual warfare started happening. Yeah. It was when I confessed Christ for real. But then I started reading my Bible like, uh, hey, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus is saying, you must be born again. Mm. What does that mean? Well, I think I just did that. Mm. And, you know, the story of Nicodemus and Jesus is telling Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, religious dude. Yeah. You know, yeah. the religious dude of the religious dudes. And, and he said, you must be born again. And I'm like, wow, how come I never read that? You know, I never learned these scriptures and other things, you know, that I started seeing in the Bible, like, uh, there is one mediator between, uh, men and God. And, and that is Christ Jesus. Yeah. There is only one mediator. And I was taught as a kid to pray to Mary and that's where, you know, I differ with my Catholic friends mm-hmm. on stuff, on doctrinal things like that. And I don't want to bash Catholics. I don't bash them. I just say, look, I'm a born-again Christian, okay? Uh, I'm saved. And I, I've gotten into numerous debates with my Catholic, including my own family. My mom is 85. She's still Catholic. Mm-hmm. And we've just learned to agree to disagree on some issues. So, Dave, what did that prayer, how did that change? You said that you started getting into, you started seeing some spiritual warfare, but oh, what, did that, what did that change do to you that made it say, oh, religion is more than rote stuff, it's a relationship? How did that manifest itself right. for you? Well, I just started talking about, you know, stuff like the Bible. I started reading the Bible for myself. Mm-hmm. I'd never been taught that, you know, yeah. growing up as a Catholic. I had never been taught that. It's like, no, the priest does that, mm. you know, and, and, uh, that's the priest's job, you know, and he's the interme- intermediator. And then I read, wait a minute, there's only one intermediary and that is Christ Jesus. I'm like, that's different than I grew up learning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, uh, it just, I just started reading the Bible really for myself, Yeah. you know, and then I, and then I moved to California I left uh, my house here, you know, in Colorado and then went out and moved to California. And I got involved in an evangelical church and that was that Calvary Chapel because I'd never been taught really Bible. Mm. You know, I mean, I'd heard scriptures as a kid from priests, but it was just little bitty bits. And and I never was taught that, you know, you should get into the Bible for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's a big difference between religion and and just being religious yeah and and actually being a saved born again person walking with Christ and that you know to me there's a big difference and so i i just started reading the bible really mm-hmm. i picked one up you know and all this time surrounding me were these people i think who were probably praying for me you mm-hmm. know all this time in Steve's band uh certain people i had a girlfriend that was a really strong christian uh, at one point during that time period mm-hmm. when I was with Steve, she was a very strong Christian. You know, I know she, she was probably praying for me and stuff. Yeah. So, and all these other people, Steve Taylor's sister, Dawn, you know, I think all these people had been praying for me for a long time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, man, I just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> Light bulb went on. 
So describe life for yourself. I'm thinking that there might be somebody listening to this who who's kind of thinking, I might be interested in a relationship with Jesus, but what mm-hmm. what good is it for me? I mean, so describe for you the change before your prayer mm-hmm. to say, come into my heart, Jesus, mm-hmm. and after. Mm-hmm. What changed in your life personally? Uh, I don't know. It's It was like something just kind of took over. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And that was God, of course. I'd never been directed by God. I mean, I'd been just kind of running my own life. And then when I prayed that prayer and then I started cracking open the Bible for myself and things started drastically changing. For one thing, uh, my own family kind of almost disowned me, oh. you know, uh, back back then because that you know they were they were still solid catholics and they didn't understand what i was talking about i'm like i was talking about being born again and uh, jesus and getting saved and angels and devils and they were like man he's what what the heck has happened to dave yeah he's he's like gone crazy he's like gotten religion you know but uh it was a real spiritual awakening though you know my eyes got opened I can hear somebody saying, if I make this decision for Christ and my family disowns me, that's not something that sounds appealing to me. So what would you just well, say to them? I would say that, uh, that that's actually pretty normal. You know, the Bible doesn't promise we're going to have a bunch of uh, nice, fancy, fun stuff. I mean, I, I get along with my family now, mm-hmm. but I'm talking 35 years later. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm here, you know. Yeah. And we get along okay now. But back in those days, there was a real uh, division, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and, and the Word talks about that too, you know, that once you decide to follow Christ, the world is going to start not liking you or even hating you. And I, I saw that for real. And, and uh, I think, you know, over, uh, especially in evangelical circles over the last 30 years, we've been told, it's going to be all roses and colorful and beautiful and you're going to be rich. And I'm like, no, that wasn't my experience. It got hard, it got really hard. I mean, but, uh, but I buckled in, you know, yeah. but it, I could tell that there was something driving me and what it was, was, was the Holy spirit. Yeah. You know, I wasn't running my own life anymore. Something else was running it. And that was the Holy spirit. Yeah. It got tough, you know, and it still is tough. You went through some tough stuff. You had a son that you adopted, and and Correct. and he passed away. That would have been a difficult thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that process sure. and how the Lord walked you through that? Um, that's another hard thing. I mean, it's, we adopted Juan um, back. Uh, it was well, almost nineteen years ago now. He was five, and we got him through. Adams County Social Services. This wasn't a international adoption. It was one right here. And that's how I wanted to do it, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of my evangelical friends were adopting kids like from other countries. And I'm, first of all, I didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, and my wife just, she wanted to really adopt a child and uh, stuff. And I'm like, I, I was hesitant to be honest because uh, my older son is autistic. Mm-hmm. And so we already had one son with a disability. He's got Asperger's, cold does, but, uh, you know, he's brilliant though. He's got a college degree, but it's a dis- disability. And, uh, so we had to, uh, we adopted one who had fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. He had attachment disorder. 
uh, from Adams County Social Services, and he came with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of baggage. His mother was a drug addict and a and a, you know a addicted to alcohol, and Juan was born addicted to alcohol and cocaine when mm. he was born. Wow. If you want to mess up a kid, make sure and drink and do drugs while you're pregnant. I mean, because that's the sure way to do it. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Just don't. Just stay away from drugs and alcohol when you're pregnant. Don't even go there. But it, it really, you know, Juan had a ton of, of disability, you know, lots of it. Yeah. So we adopted Juan and our house completely changed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From one just focused on an autistic child and rearranging the entire house around that, which is a one, which is a strange thing to begin with. But then to now we brought in another kid with a very severe disability. Yeah even more. And so, yeah, that got real interesting and a lot of stress, you know, and, but you know, it's adoption was the, is the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that right up. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also the best thing I've ever done. I mean, Jesus said, you know, what is, or, or, or Paul, I'm sorry that uh, Paul said, what is real religion taking care of orphans and widows? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So we brought one right into our own house. That's, kind of what it's about, right? Yeah. So that was a tough situation. You, you're raising this kid. He's now, mm-hmm. uh, you had him for 15 years and then he right. passed away. Right. Yeah. That was just three years ago. And, uh, Juan was 20. He was getting close to 21 and I was, and you know, our relationship was becoming really quite good. The older Juan got, mm-hmm. um, we struggled when he was younger because of his, defiant disorder and and we really struggled you know him and yeah. I. uh it was difficult i'm not going to say it was easy because it wasn't uh but the, his last two years though uh before he died we were we were getting along great and we having a great time we'd go to dinner and just uh you know starting to have fun with each other you know yeah and then uh he was just playing on his computer one night Fortnite, you know the game mm-hmm. that all them kids play and the coroner said he, he uh, you know, he was gone by midnight and that was, uh, in October of 2018. So here's yet another, just blow to your life. And I'm, I'm assuming you, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that your relationship with Jesus is the one of the, the key pieces that helped you through that terrible time. It's the only thing really, the only thing that got me through that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I've had to clean tighter, mm. you know, not looser, but tighter. Yeah. Cause it is the only thing that gets me through. Yeah. You know, as we get closer, man, the way things are going, we're going to, believers are going to have to stick closer to Jesus than ever before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause things are getting weird as yep. we can see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I'm reminded of the fact that, you know, Jesus didn't promise to make it easy. In fact, he asked us to take his yoke upon him. A yoke is right. work. That's not a, you know, it's a pinch point around the neck and, but that, that God will walk with us and partner with us through that. And so uh, I just really Mm -hmm. appreciate Dave, you're sharing your story and pointing folks to the fact that the relationship with Jesus helped you through those difficult things. And and I'm real thankful for that. You had talked about as we uh, were setting this up, maybe playing something, Uh, you're still sax man, still playing. In fact, 
he has a great album called Thrush Hour out. Uh, Thrush Hour was released on Sparrow Records uh, a few years back. I encourage folks to check it out. Dove Award nominee, by the way. Oh, that's right. It was a Dove Award yeah. nominated album. Nominee. So do you want to play something out for us as we as we wrap up our conversation today? People need the Lord. Amen. We send out a newsletter every Saturday asking folks to pray for people who have made Christian music and who are uh, involved in that and have been involved in that. How specifically can we be praying for you, Dave, in the weeks and months ahead? Uh, well, it, uh, you know, I could uh, maybe get my career on track uh, a little better and uh pull out of this pandemic and just start, you know, playing music again. It's starting to come back, but I think that specifically, you know, uh, just to get, get out and start playing again. I guess for me, the important takeaway from my exchange with Dave Thrush today was how important his relationship with Jesus was to him. So many times we hear people's testimony about how wonderful everything was after they became a Christ follower. But Dave's story didn't quite go that way, did it? He had his family shun him because his faith didn't match their faith. He had doctors suggest that he abort his son, who would obviously have some significant health complications. And he struggled through a tough adoption and ultimately the death of his adopted son due to health issues. But did you notice that Dave wasn't bitter about those tough situations? While he admitted that those were some of the most difficult times of his life, he stated that his relationship with God helped him through them. I guess the reason I'm emphasizing this is because we hear so much about how a relationship with Jesus makes everything better. And I think we often assume that that means all of our prayers will be answered just the way we want them to be. People will be healed relationships will be mended, and everything's going to go just smoothly. But that isn't necessarily what God promised. What I noticed was that Dave recognized how his faith in Jesus helped him through those difficult times. I think of the verses in Matthew 28, where Jesus is giving instruction to the disciples on how to spread the gospel. He said, quote, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Or, how about in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he is sharing about a difficult situation in his own life? 
He said that every time he asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh, he was always told, quote, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I hope our conversation today encourages you to see past the stuff of religion and see the relationship of walking with Jesus. And I'm confident that God will do just as he has promised to give you his power and his presence as we go through those difficult times. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs> <laughs>